Hello and welcome to Unbiased. I'm your host, Michael Hairston. I greatly appreciate you tuning in today. There are a lot of things vying for your attention and time, yet you chose to spend a few minutes listening to the words of wisdom and experience that I want to share today, and I do not take that for granted. So let's get into today's topic as we talk about things that can help empower your decisions and spark your conversation concerning personal finance. Welcome, everyone, to Unbiased Money. I'm your host, Michael Hairston. Uh, you guys know my voice and you hear me all the time and now you see me. So I'm very much appreciative of our two guests that we have. Usually I just have one, but today I decided to be uh, to, to go for the gusto. And I've got two great guests here today. I've got Stacy Spears and I also got Harrison Gilmer who are here. And I'm excited about having both of them here today because, uh, you know, in my practice, and as you guys have heard me talk about financial management from my world as a financial advisor, there are other people out here in this space who are doing great work and providing good information to other people. And here are two dynamic people who are approaching the, top, the topic of financial management from different, different standpoints, but they're also collectively working together. And I just thought it was dope just to kind of bring them here. So first of all, good morning to both of you. So Harrison, good morning to you. Morning. Morning, Michael. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Stacy. good morning to you as well. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be back. I'm, I'm happy that you are back. I'm glad that you decided to come back because, you know, you could have just said, you know what, I don't want to fool with him anymore. So I don't want to nah. talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Well, I'm glad that you guys are back. Let's get into our discussion and, you know, and, and get into really the meat of this here for me today, which is we're talking about financial literacy. Right. You both mentioned it and you're both in this space and, you know, financial literacy has become kind of a hot topic, right, where there's a lot of information that's floating out and there's a lot of a lot of 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 great information regarding financial education. And I think that's great because, you know, when I think back to when I started in the business and maybe you guys can attest to this, too you know, think 10, 15 years ago, it really wasn't as much information back then as it is now, which is awesome in a way, but I want to pull on both of you and sharing as you look at your personal journey. And Harris, I'm going to start with you. And, you know, you fell into the credit business. And that leads me to kind of think that, you know, when you fell into this credit business and then start looking at your credit and start thinking about financial literacy, it seems to me that there was a challenge about integrity that took place, right? Where you start to evaluate, what have I been doing with my money and really start to have an introspective look. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the financial challenge, the challenge that you had with yourself regarding your own personal financial integrity. You know, obviously I'm, I'm you know, as you can see from the ring, I'm a married man. And um, I think that was really the first time where I had to address it. I had obviously seen opportunities in the past where, hey, man, you know, maybe your credit isn't the best. or Maybe the way you're handling your money isn't the best. But I didn't have any responsibilities other than me. So, you know, if I didn't eat, I didn't eat. You know, if, if, if I didn't, uh, uh, couldn't walk into the store and, and, and get this card swiped to get these groceries, I was the only one embarrassed. But when you throw in a spouse and, and, and children, now there's a mantle you know, a responsibility on me to, uh, uh, to, to know. And um, one of the stories that, that, that I've told a number of times that stands out was my wife's car had broke down and we needed to get her a new car. And we went to this place called JD Byrider, which was a buy here, pay here lot. And obviously we went to that. Well, I took us to that buy here, pay here lot because 
you can buy here and pay here, right? right. <laughs> and, I, and I'm thinking my credit is not that good. These are the kind of people that look out for people like me. And, uh, you know, I had 99 problems, but money wasn't one. So I went there with a nice stack of money. My wife selected a car. And, uh, you know, I kind of leaned over into the guy's ear and said, hey, man, you know, we need this car. I got seven stacks in my pocket, man. You know, make it happen. And he looked at me and said, man, unfortunately, we run credit around here. And so at that moment in time, you know, and I don't know if anyone's ever been there, but as I was at that moment where I was going, you know, this is where I need a miracle from God. <laughs> Let's see what happens, right? <laughs> and, 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 and again, the guy ran in and came out. And of course, I didn't have the credit, but I could still get the car. It just wasn't the car I wanted. And so as he walked us to the back of the dealership to show us all the other cars we, we could get, you know, the economic major in me started just tallying up like the years of these cars, the terms and conditions that he had laid out for us to obtain this car, the kind of money that we had to put down to get this car and the value of the actual car. And I looked at the person, Michael, and I said, man, how do you guys justify charging people what you're charging for cars that aren't even worth what you're charging? And the guy looked at me and said, you're the one with bad credit. You came to us. Mm. And at that moment, Ouch. right, responsibility, right, like Stacy said, through hardship, right, uh, at that, that moment, that uncomfortable moment in front of my wife had me going, man, what kind of? <laughs> what kind of man are you like to let another man say that in front of your wife? And so I remember walking away from that lot and telling her never again, you know, nobody will ever turn us down because our name um, doesn't hold weight. We don't have the kind of name mm. that when we walk into your spot, we don't ask you, we tell you. And, right. um, and so that led me on a journey to just make sure that if I'm going to be helping people, uh, become financially healthy, I probably need to be myself. And oftentimes, I've said this before, you walk into the bank and that banker turns you down. But the banker's got bad credit too. Mm. <laughs> you go to the mortgage company and they tell you, you need a 680. They don't even have a 680. You know, you go to these car dealerships and these people ask you, you know, what's your credit like? But they got bad credit. And, and, and I, I, to this day, I always think about how come when you get turned down at a bank, they don't already have a program to put you in to help you with your less than perfect credit? Of course they don't, because they don't know how. And the, 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 the profit for them is not in Michael Harrison knowing. It's in right. Michael Harrison's ignorance. Yeah. Because you, you spend more money having less than perfect credit than you would actually obtaining it. And I just think that, you know, in our community, I, I knew that I always associated poor credit with being poor. And here I was somebody that was financially good with poor credit. And I said, man, how many people are not like me? They don't have the education. They don't have the high paying salary uh, corporate job that still live where I came from, where these people got bad credit and they broke. Yeah. Hey, can I let me jump in real quick with something you just said that I think is very powerful. So and I want I'm going to kick the Stacey and ask her to talk about this a little bit, too. You know, for I think for all three of us, all three of us will probably agree that a lot when we talk about financial literacy, you know, there's a lot of discussion about credit. Right. 
and that you need to have good credit, you need to have great credit. And Harrison, you raise a dynamic point, which is like, for those that don't, like, why aren't there programs for the people that are giving credit to try to get people there? You know, financial integrity extends beyond just good credit. Harrison, the example that you gave was that your credit and your integrity impacts your overall wealth. It impacts your overall wealth because without this, you're going to pay more for this, or you're going to pay more for that. Or without this, your financial health is an indication of your financial health. And that financial health goes deeper than what you have in your pocket or what you have in your checkbook. And this is the Stacy's point, Absolutely. which is it, the financial health starts with what's happening internally. So, you know, Stacy, when you hear his story and you hear about people, you know, who have the money, have the job, but they're still not able to hold on to their house during the times that you ran across them and, 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 and things like, you know, how does that, how do you coach somebody and bring them to a point to understand your integrity is important and it needs to be addressed because if it doesn't, if you don't address it, this could have further implications for your wealth in total, not just the house or the mortgage that we're working on. Yeah, no, gosh, that is, such a loaded question. Um, part of it, um, and I love just that phrase, financial integrity, because um, they go hand in hand. I, I feel like, you know, to be able to do well financially, you have to even just understand what integrity is and what it looks like. And I remember so many years ago, a man that I um, greatly respect and that uh, consider uh, even one of my spiritual fathers, you know, he was, he drew a diagram one day uh, on a whiteboard of, it was, it looked like the letter C, but it was just kind of a half circle going this way. And and it was a very simple um, example of what integrity is. He said, if, if, if I try to draw this half circle like this, and you say that is you, then integrity means that um, what I say I am on the outside, it is going to match that same thing on the inside. But when you're not walking into integrity, you present the picture of the half circle on the outside, but on the inside, it's truly the opposite of what you're saying. And I was like, wow, you know, um, it just, again, spoke to me that integrity should be a match. What you say you are you actually are that thing. Um, and so, you know, what I see a lot of times, you know, even with students that take my course and that I get the opportunity to interface with is, is that, you know, on paper, you know, they have, you know, uh, this X credit score, you know, X title, um, you know, they may have the outer attributes of, you know, a car or a house or aspiring to, but on the inside, they have a poverty mindset on the inside. They are workaholics on the inside. They have, you know, rooms that if you walk in, you know, you couldn't even find your way to the back because they hoarded so much clutter and junk, you know, uh, on the inside, they are a financial cheater. You know, they dodge and dip and dodge when it comes to, you know, their wife, what she don't know won't hurt her, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, evidence inside that what they 
present themselves to be on the outside is not necessarily what they are on the inside. In fact, the the two are very different. And I think that, um, you know, um, wealth or being able to, you know, I say this to my students all the time, that wealth begins on the inside first, you know, before you really see, you know, it manifests on the outside. And I know this isn't a Bible study, but I will tell you one of uh, my favorite sayings um, in scriptures is, um, it says, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And I think that that phrase, even as, is really key because God is saying he doesn't just want us to prosper on the outside, but he wants there to be to equal measure or to the extent that your soul is prospering, you will begin to see prosperity really manifest on the outside. So, uh, you know, if financial integrity is huge, um, it really is key to, you know, doing well, period, whether in business or, you know, as, you know, working in corporate America, you will find that people many times you know, will attain to a certain level in business um, or in whatever, you know, they aspire to. But without that, that's that, uh, without that ingredient of integrity, uh, they won't be, and I know many of us have heard that they, they can get there, but they won't be able to maintain it. And and that's many times what I see, that's, that's how I get my clients, is, is that at some level, you know, uh, their their system has broken down, but primarily when we say their system, we're talking about their internal system has broken down where it hasn't been able to sustain them. And now, you know, they're in a situation where they need someone to bail them out, rescue them, et cetera. Um, but, um, you know, uh, I, I certainly am not a bail out, but I believe that, um, you know, I've been privileged as my partner here, Harrison, to really help people rebuild themselves correctly, um, you know, to rebuild their house correctly, their financial house, their financial mainframe correctly. Um, and sometimes, you know, um, you know, sometimes it takes a wrecking ball to just come out of the left field and just level, you know, everything that you built the way you built it so that you can build something that is sustainable and that really is built on integrity. You know, and this is why I, you know, the, Stacey, I appreciate everything you just said. And this is why I wanted both of you guys to be here today on this podcast, because what we're talking about right now, and I know the word integrity is a hard word. It, it really is a, a hard word. So audience, don't don't get mad at Harrison. Don't get mad at Stacey. I was the <laughs> one that said integrity. So y'all shoot y'all arrows at me. I'm the one that said it. We're not just talking about theory and what someone should do or, or why that you should do this and you should do this and you should do this. I think there's a lot of great information out there about what should do. You know, you need to have good credit. You know, you need to be on a budget. You know, you need to save money. I mean, we all know that it's the execution that becomes a problem. So why is the execution a problem? And Harrison, I think you said it best, which is, you know, the execution becomes a problem because we're not faced with things that make us look at where we totally are. And sometimes that doesn't happen until we hit a situation. And at that point, we have to look and say, oh, snap, where am I really at? Stacey pick in. But, you know, the, the fact is, 
you know, if we don't address, you can't address where you are until you see where you are. Right, right. And, and, and you know, what, what you said is, I, I can remember, Mike, man, when we, uh, my wife and I, again, just, just fortunate enough to both be, uh, you know, educated, both uh, be able to, to make some good money, man. And we had never sat down with someone like yourself. We, we didn't, you know, when we finally got to the place where we realized that the reason that we hadn't done it was because we were ashamed and we didn't want to look at how much we had squandered, <laughs> mm. right? Just, just how much money we blew through because of what we didn't know and what we didn't address. And, you know, it, it, it goes back to even with business, man. You, you said it, you said integrity is easy to say, it's hard to do. Well, so is entrepreneurship. It's easy to say, it's harder to spell, <laughs> but everybody wants to do it, right? Everybody wants to, but what does it look like? And, you know, we, you, you, we talk about wealth and, uh, you know, but it's more than just financial wealth. And, you know, you, I know a lot of people, I got a lot of my dudes that steal from the block. They don't live there no more, but they still are on the block. They're not happy. Yeah. There's no peace. There's no um, comfort because they, they, they and, and, and how much stuff can you buy? You can only buy so many things. So True. when we start talking about that financial integrity, all you got to do is look at our people in the NFL, the NBA, um, that go broke. Yeah. And what ends up happening is those guys, you know, go broke. And then they, they, they start to leverage themselves to go back and say, look, man, here's the thing. Why? Because that uncomfortable moment um, of being broke is broadcast. Yep. Well, Stacy's ain't broadcast. Harrison's ain't broadcast. Right. Michael's ain't broadcast. So it's 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 easier for us to carry on as if things are good and they're not. And I've I, you know one of one of my very good business friends, uh, Katina Mims, always says people are a public success and a private mess. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, it's things like that have always remind me like, man, you know, what do you like in private financially? What do you right. like in private integrity wise when the pandemic hit and we talked about this, Mike, the, when the pandemic hit, it was money everywhere. And just like everybody else, my business partners and I, we had the opportunity to go get this money the same way everybody else did and when we sat down we made a conscious decision now nah, all money ain't good money well we don't want that money and that's integrity I, I don't know that we were striving i can sit here and tell you hey, we were doing it thinking let's be it you know student but i almost think we was just like nah man it's just bad money and what's gonna come with that on the back end right, right? And I think that's the part of um, this that's so difficult because to some extent, walking around financially illiterate, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. yeah. But if I get with a Michael Harrison, now I know what I don't know. Mm. But, that, 
that knowing what I don't know now eliminates the excuse of not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And many people would rather walk blindly and in ignorance because yeah. then they can blame the ignorance yeah. on the action or the result as opposed to now I know and I got to be accountable for the conscious decision to continue to be mentally poor, spiritually poor, emotionally poor, physically poor, financially poor. Hey, look, I don't need you to tell me I need to eat healthy. I'd rather just keep eating healthy and die. Mm. Because if you tell me I got to eat healthy, now every time I look at this burger, I got a choice to make. Well, unfortunately, everybody's got a choice to make. And whether we make it or not financially, um, we still going to deal with the consequences of the proper choice, the right choice, or the lack thereof. Mm. Man, let me... So what was... That choice thing is is powerful, right? Because you can't make a choice unless there's information to make a choice off of, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what I find to be the perfect connection point between the two of you and why I wanted you here in this and for this conversation that we're having regarding financial integrity, because it's not about the nuts and bolts. It's the frame. And the frame mm-hmm. starts upstairs. Good. So if, like you just said, you got to make a choice, which means you got to sit back, analyze, think through and understand where you are and say, you know what, I'm aware, I'm going to be conscious and I've got some decisions to make. All of that work starts upstairs. So for you to walk into the wealth that you desire, and when we say wealth, we're just not talking, as you said, a financial wealth or or, or even a generational wealth for that matter. If you really want to see things move in the direction that you want them to, there has to be a change that takes place upstairs, which brings me to you, Stacey. So I know you've done a lot of work with talking with people, and you've talked about this a few minutes ago, which is the psychology piece about it. So as you look at the landscape today and and look at the education process that you're taking your people through, and you look at how financial literacy is being presented today, do you find that there's not as much, there's not do you find the conversation about the psychology, the mental awareness, do you find that lacking when it comes to financial literacy? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> Absolutely. Lord have mercy. Um, I want to scream it from the mountaintops. Um, uh, it's um, not only lacking, but um, you know, I don't even know that we know that it's lacking. Um, you know, we think that we're doing our due diligence by um, just throwing more numbers and data and financial tips and strategies at people. But we've never, in my opinion, been able to really successfully get to the root of why, even with that information, we're not seeing individuals prosper. We're not seeing families prosper on a long-term basis, especially for people that look like us. Um, and you know, there is that side that Harrison talked about, um, where you know there are many people that have gotten rich and continue to get rich off of the fact that we don't know what we don't know. Um, and so, you know, obviously they're not running, you know, to our rescue as a result. But, um, you know, I, I, I see, though, um, there being an awakening. I think a lot of it just has to do with the 
the environment we're in, this pandemic environment that we are in, you, you're seeing a lot of individuals that are um, uh, becoming more aware of this mental component as it relates to everything, period, but as well as finances and self-sustainability and those type of things. But even though, you know, more awareness is being raised, um, you know, we need more of the qualitative behavioral changes. We need to understand not just, you know, you need to do this, 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 and this, but how do I do it? How do I fix it on a root level? How do I fix it on a nuclear level? Because to be honest with you, a lot of times when, you know, we throw more information at people, a lot of times that can cause an individual to become more entrenched mm-hmm. in bad behavior. They, they, you know, they raise up a resistance against it because, again, you're not really getting to the root. You're showing them the mirror of what, you know, they're not doing. And, you know, all they see is failure. And, you know, um, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about something in my class called the shame factor, which is uh, a belief that the reason that you can't you know, follow through when it comes to your money. The reason that you make poor decisions over and over and over is because something is intrinsically wrong with you. You're defective. You're damaged goods. You're too green. You're too stupid, too lazy, too whatever. You fill in the blanks to make it happen. But we teach something, you know, a little bit different. And that is, is that a lot of our financial decisions, they're not made off of our logical reasoning, the, the logical reasoning part of our brains. Um, but we, we teach individuals that there is most certainly an undercurrent uh, of an operating system that many times informs our behavior. And what that does is, is that um, it, it creates a degree of separation between the individual and their behavior, uh, which is absolutely needed um, in order for them to be able to see it and ultimately change it. I, I, you know, I'm a firm believer. You can't change what you're not willing to see. Um, but just throwing information at people, you know, doesn't help them to create that degree of separation because many times they're, they're marrying their bad behavior with who they are. And I, you know, I try and tell my kids all the time, your who is, or your do is not your who. You know, you're, what you've done, the decisions you've made are not who you are. And so if we can actually separate, what well, you know, your who from what you've done, you have a much better opportunity to correct the do uh, when you're doing it from the lens of really understanding your who and where that lens and where that piece has kind of gotten muddy somewhere along the line. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. So Harrison, let me kick over to you and ask you this question. You know, we've been talking, you made the comment about the poverty mentality, right? Which is, you know, you, you're from the block, but you still got the block mentality, kind of what mm-hmm. Stacy's talking about. Your framework is still, your framework has been set because of education, because of experience that you've lived. And now you're going on into life and you're making moves and you're doing things, but you're still operating off of a faulty framework that was set up based upon where you came from. So whether it's you or someone else that you coached in, along the way, you know, let's walk through some successes that you've had in kind of helping someone understand where they are, but then take 
practical steps to get where they need to go. What does that look like? How have you helped successfully navigating the do as Stacy was just talking about? Well, I think that's a great question. And, and you know, that, it's, it, I, the way I'll explain it, it, it'll make it sound easy, but it's actually not, right? I, I've always said we have three types of people in our lives. We have people that look up to us, uh, people that we look to, and people that we look up to, right? So uh, if you put yourself in, in the mindset of, uh, I look at Stacy like a peer, that's somebody that I'm going to go to and we're going to talk about everything that's not right, everything that, that could be better, um, everything that uh, we need to fix. But when I'm talking to my daughter, I'm not necessarily talking to her about things she can't digest because she looks up to me. So what I am for her is a goal. Uh, hey, listen, if you do these things, here is what you can accomplish. If you avoid these things, here are some of the things that will happen for you. If you go this route, here are some of the challenges and obstacles that are going to be in your way. And then the person that I look up to for me is the accountability. Uh, this is the person that's going to say, hey, man, you know, I've already been where you're at. Right. Here's what you're trying to get. Here's what you need to do. And here are some resources and people that you need to add to your Rolodex. And here are some of the habits and things that you're going to start um, wanting to practice so that you can accomplish, if not just what I did, but even more. And so the underlying thing in all of that, Michael, is that in, it doesn't matter where I'm at in that um, um, lineage there's accountability. Mm. See, so for me, even as a father, my daughter's looking at me and going, I wonder, is he going to do what he told me to do? Is he, <laughs> is he modeling what he told me? Stacy's looking at me going, hey, man, you told me you were going to do something. Where are you at with that? Mm. The person that I'm looking up to is going, hey, man, I told you what to do. Are you doing it? So there, there's constant accountability in all three of those. So you take somebody like me from the hood. I was just telling my wife this last evening. I, I had no idea when I made the decision to go to college uh, to play ball, how many of my dudes were impacted by that choice until I was out maybe about, let's just say six months ago when I bumped into one of my guys that he got off the porch real early uh, started hustling real early and just was good at hustling and, and frankly was way better than me at basketball, but we played on this. We were in the backcourt together. He put the ball down and picked up the dope. I put the dope down and picked up the ball. And <laughs> six months ago, he found me. And, 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 and the first thing he asked me was, he said, mouse, that's what they call me. Mouse, man. Well, what you think was the difference between me and you? Like, how did you get out? Because uh, we both didn't have parents. We, you, know, you know, we had mothers, but they was always working. Neither of us had fathers. We both was in this, this hood, pimp-infested environment. How did you get out? And I said, uh, and I won't say his name, but I said, man, you know, the difference between me and you, I said, is I never looked at discipline as degrading. And I never, and I understood that um, I had two ears. So when coach was teaching you to pass more, you thought he was taking something from you. But in actuality, he was teaching you how to use your team, which would have got the ball back to you because he knew you could score. But he knew if you didn't learn to pass, then all the other teams would do is double team you. 
your teammates ain't in no rhythm, and so they're not going to be able to score either. Mm. I said, I understood the concept that this guy is a coach. This guy wants to see us win. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't difficult for me to listen. And so, Michael, the, the, to answer that question, it, 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 it's, it's the account of, it's, it's first of all recognizing that you don't know everything. You don't have all the answers. You don't, you don't, you, you can't run this race uh, alone. You have to have mentors. But selflessly, you have to mentee, you have to have mentees. Mm-hmm. Because nothing disappoints big brother more than letting little brother down. So many of my dudes are st- was getting money the fast way because their daddy wasn't there so they could provide for their little brother and sister. Well, that, that same accountability that you had to them, you can have that on a legal level, on a square level. But we've been duped and tricked to believe that quick, fast, in a hurry, you know, we talked about with the business credit. Hey, man, how can I get business credit? Well, typically when people lead with that question, it's because they don't want to work on the personal credit. You're looking Amen. for a roundabout, right? And I always tell people, if, if you're looking for a roundabout, I'm not the person you're going to want to work with because I'm going to take you back to the basics know, of where right. we need to start and work from there. Because like you said, it's not about the nuts and bolts. It's about the frame. Mm. And, if, and if we can help people with the frame, and give them some accountability uh, again on, you know, what are you building? How are you building? Who are you building for? <laughs> and who are you going to teach to build? If I can get people or we can get people to buy into that, right. we can kind of fix some of the stuff in our community where we're doing GoFundMe's when, when daddy didn't die. Mm. You know, why are we doing GoFundMe's? You know, <laughs> we, we can stop doing you know, stuff like that to get income. And I'm not knocking it. It's there for a reason. Right. But when we start using it like that's what it's for, then you know we're using it wrong. So I just think we got to get back to the accountability piece of it, the mentors, the mentees, the peer, uh, peer-to-peers. Uh, and, and I think you'll see a tremendous difference in our community when we implement those things. You know, it, it, I love how you frame that up. And it does sound so simple, you know, but the word that you used, which becomes uh, a bit of a challenge, is accountability, right? Because with accountability, that means that there has to be a trust factor between the people who you are calling yourself or wanting yourself to be accountable to. Mm-hmm. But if I'm still struggling with trust within myself, and I've got a bad relationship with money, it's going to be <laughs> difficult for me to be able to have that accountability with others because as Stacy said earlier, shame. So Stacy, I'm coming back to you and I'm going to ask you the same question. I just asked Harrison, you're dealing with someone who's got trust issues, but the trust issues are extend beyond the external, but how have you help someone navigate those fundamental philosophies and psychological issues so they can see their framework where it is, but then give them hope and inspiration to build their framework forward. You know, there's a lot of different ways I can answer that. Um, you know, a lot of times when, you know, we've been violated on some level, 
you know, we can take the position that, you know, it's us and only us. I think one of the great things about, you know, the work that I do in that cohort environment, and, you know, I do it in a group environment, but we also do one-on-one counseling for students as well, is helping them to see that they're not alone and that there are many people that have experienced um, situations where they've been violated, where they've been betrayed financially, and that we get it. You know what I mean? Once you get burned, you know, you don't keep sticking your hand out there over and over, you know, to get burned again. You're a little more cautious the next time, like, "Mm," you know, I know what that feels like. Even in saying that, a lot of people, even though they know that they have trust issues, they have no clue where it stems from. They have no clue why. They just, you know, I don't know. I just don't trust men. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've just always been like that. No, you haven't always been like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, you know, where did that come from? That actually has a root, believe it or not. You know what I mean? No, I just, you know, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe in, you know, I don't trust the financial institutions. You know what I'm saying? I just, the banks, all that, you know, y'all, y'all do that. You know what I mean? I'm good. I got my money in my little cookie jar here. I've been in my mattress. You know what I'm saying? If you find that little stack, I got another little stack stash under the baseboard, you know, in the third room on the right. If you find that stash, you know what I'm saying? I got, yeah, I got, you know, you ain't, you won't, you ain't gonna never know everywhere I got my stuff. You know, if you take pride in that, you, you're not gonna never know. You know what I'm saying? I got more stashes. Listen, look, <laughs> there is a root to that. You know what I mean? The reality is, and I know you know this, Michael, that you cannot prosper without some level of risk. Yes. It is absolutely necessary. And I'm not talking about reckless risk, uh, unreasonable, what we call in our course, unreasonable risk, where you're taking your rent money, your mortgage money, and you want to turn up with your girls, or you're taking your car payment to go buy Christmas gifts for the kids. That's not the kind of risk we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know? We're talking about mitigated strategic risk. Um, It is absolutely a must to be able to step into um, a zip code called prosperous or wealthy. And so helping people to understand what is at the root of your distrust, what has happened to you, and more importantly, what is the vow that you've made behind that that is keeping you locked up today? Because many times in a place where we have been violated, there is somewhere in that journey a promise that we made to ourselves. In our course, we call it a money script. But it is an internal vow or promise that you make that basically is designed to keep you from experiencing another violation or hurt or disappointment. And so... But a lot of it is done subconsciously. You you don't even know or many times are even aware that you made this covenant with yourself, um, especially when it's happened in your youth and your childhood. But a lot of times it starts with, you know, I will never let another or I will always make sure I, you you know, you, you begin to promise yourself and, and you know, Listen, vows are very, they're they're nothing to mess with (laughs) because the same vow that you make to quote unquote keep trauma, disappointment, and violation out 
many times becomes the same wall that keeps you bound in. Mm. And see, many times when we make those financial um, covenants with ourselves, one of the things that hardship, violation, um, financially or otherwise does is it, it keeps you from seeing the full picture. It, it only allows you to see from one side. So yeah. it's, a skewed, it's a skewed vision, right? And so um, many times you're making that vow, you're making it on a half truth. And in reality, a half truth is still a lie. But the enemy, our enemy is very strategic. I believe we have an enemy to our wealth. We have an enemy to our prosperity. And he doesn't necessarily just sell you this, the lie outright. You know, he always introduces mixture, meaning that he always introduces the lie with sprinkled with a little bit of truth. Mm. So it's mixture. Mm-hmm. And that's what baits you. That's what gets you, you know, so, you know, I can't, I can't trust anybody but myself because this violation came from, you know, somebody close to me, somebody in my circle, somebody with my same blood. So we make the vow that I can't trust behind that. But listen, everybody is not a taker. Everybody is not there to rob you. To set you back. Look, some people are expressly sent into your life to add to you. They don't want to unfriend you. But if you operate off of that mentality, that hard drive of distrust, you're not going to only lock yourself in, but you're going to self-sabotage opportunities and people that are sent to add to you in a way that you can't even get to your best without them. You know, somebody said success, you know, they gave a definition of success is, you know, God putting someone on your path to help progress you forward, to help move you forward. If you see that person as a threat, then you're going to self-sabotage the help. You, you've got to be able to discern your help. Trust doesn't allow you to do that. So in walking our students through that process, um, of getting to the root of why I know I know you're afraid to step out, you know. But why? What is at the root of that? Well, you know, they they may think, well, I'm just being frugal. I'm just being responsible. I'm just being cautious. No, you're operating out of a fear of loss. You, you know, you you experience something at six years old, and a promise or a vow was made, and that has kept you stuck in a pattern where you can't. You, you haven't been able to break out of that. So again, you know, it is helping individuals not only get to the root, but to see from all sides of it because your enemy only shows you one side. And so, you know, being able to walk through that process, it enables you to pull the cover off of what has been veiled and covered up so that you can see what you need to see. Once you see what you need to see, trust is no longer an issue. You know, it's powerful what you just said, the fact of having your sight uncovered because mm. you can't go anywhere and you're not going to make any moves if you're operating in the blind. 
your success or your ability to progress forward is only going to go to a certain point if you have partial information or you lack full clarity and full vision. And I think mm-hmm. what's powerful about our, our collective conversation today is if there's one central theme that, ha- that, should, be, uh, that should be very apparent is in order to have the integrity, the financial integrity that you need so that your credit is good and that you have the wealth that you want is that you have to be able to be, you have to be able to see fully where you are, take ownership of where you are and accept accountability to get you out of where you are. Because, you know, in order to achieve wealth, Harrison, to achieve the wealth that you want, it's not a one-man show. No. And (laughs) the wealth that you achieve is just not for you. Thank you for tuning in today to this episode of Unbiased. I hope today's conversation empowered your decisions and sparked your conversation or maybe even sparked a different thought concerning your personal finances. And I greatly appreciate you again tuning in today. Feel free to reach out to me uh, via social media. My Twitter handle is Hairston, that's H-A-I-R-S-T-O-N underscore Mike. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Michael G. Hairston, MBA, or you can reach out to me via email at Michael at Alpha Financial, that's one word, dot com. Again, that's email is Michael at Alpha Financial dot com. Thank you very much, and I will look forward to speaking to you again soon.